Let's praise him. Thank you, Lord. Give him glory, give him praise. Give him glory, give him praise. Thank you, Lord. You must have something to thank him for this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank him for life. <clears throat> thank him for life. Thank him for life. For those of us that have committed our hearts to the saving grace of Jesus, thank him for salvation. Bless him. Bless him. Oh, thank you for good, your goodness and for your kindness. For some that know what God has done in their lives, thank him for his mercy. It's because of his mercies that we are not consumed. Thank him for his mercy. All we have to say is thank you, Lord. What shall we say unto the Lord? All we have to say is thank you, Lord. What shall we say? What shall we say? Jesus mighty name if you are glad to be awake and alive give him glory this morning hallelujah give him praise give him glory put your hands together this morning thank you Lord we praise you we bless you hallelujah I'd like you to greet um, three people this morning just appreciate them for uh, just seeing them this morning that you are awake and um, if you are joining us for the very first time, you're welcome. This is Global Impact Church. We're so glad to have you here today. Um, just two or three people and make sure you are smiling. I know uh, there are some things you are trusting God for, but make sure you are smiling. Please put your hands together for the Lord um, as you get standing. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God as you get standing. Hallelujah. As you get standing. Okay, we're just doing some exercises. Amen. Please put your hands together for the Lord. Okay. Amen. As you get seated. Hmm. Psalms 133, we're, we're starting, well, we're continuing our series on Destiny Sundays um, with a little um, tint or bending towards relationship management. And you're going to understand why that is coming up. Um, Psalms 133 talks about unity. I discovered that we, we cannot fulfill destiny alone. 
in life, in business or career, you cannot do it alone. So people that don't know how to relate with other people, they find that they can't make progress with their lives effectively. I mean, this is church. I can't do it alone. I need uh, associate pastors. I need teams to work for things to work out fine. So it's not about your talent. It's not about your gifts. Uh, because one is too small to achieve greatness. Sometimes when I counsel with couples and you hear a man, you know, we have, we have this attitude of saying, my, my son, you know, like you give birth to the son uh, alone. Sometimes you see mothers also say that, my, my child, you know. I try to correct, I say, our child, because it wasn't only you that gave birth to that child. It takes two people to have a child, isn't it? Uh -huh. Even if it's artificial insemination, it takes somebody else's um, spam or whatever it is. And, you know, even in church, when I privileged to talk to pastors, I remember I had a training recently and I tell pastors, avoid saying my church. Sometimes you make other people in the team feel useless. You know, you're the pastor of a church, things are working out in the church and you're everywhere saying in my church. In my church. If you are the associate pastor of that church or you're a part of the team, it looks like we're working for him, isn't it? We're all working for God. Even in business. My business. My business. Maybe that's how somebody's stealing the money. He feels, well, I'm just here working for him. But as the way people even feel that they're part of a team, they give their best. One is too small to achieve greatness. Uh, in Psalms 133, he says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what? In unity. Somebody say unity. He said it's a good thing. It's pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head um, that ran down upon the bed, even Aaron's bed, that went down to the skirts of his garments. Now, verse 2 uh, is trying to also help us see unity from the perspective of the power of God. He's saying, like in a church or in anything, when the anointing of God, when, when there's unity, the anointing flows, he says, verse 2, or, verse 2 says, it is like the precious ointment upon the head. So the head of the church, like the pastor of the church, there's an anointing or the power of God upon the head of every church, okay? He says, where there is unity, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the bed. You're fighting maybe with the pastor. Some people fight with the pastor. They don't like the pastor. Maybe the pastor did something and they misunderstood it. The moment you're in that mood, you find that the blessing upon that church does not show up in your life. Because it's a place of unity that the anointing flowing gets to you. He says, he says it is like the precious ointment upon the head that upon the head, then the bed. I, I, I tell pastors, okay, the bed, maybe workers. You understand that? The leaders and the workers. And then to the skirts of his garments. That's talking about the congregation. So God anoints a set man and the anointing upon him ought to bless you. But it blesses you when you are in unity, you know, your heart is there. That is the reason why Satan organizes discord in a church a lot. He wants you to fight the leadership. He wants you to fight somebody else. The moment that is that disconnect, 
you find that the blessings that is flowing from the set man will not reach out to you. So if healing is flowing in that church, you find that you're not healed. If peace is flowing in that church, you're not having peace. Others will be having it. But you, because of the condition of your heart, and you check it, the moment you get healed, the moment you sort out things, the anointing resumes in your life. So Satan will always come with temptations of discord. Uh, Psalms 133, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the bed, even Aaron's bed, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there, somebody say there. That means that place. For there, the Lord did what? Commanded the blessing, even life, forevermore. The place of unity is the place of blessings. And when you see blessings, you remember increase. When you see blessings, you remember progress. When you see blessings, you remember prosperity. The place of unity is the place of blessing. So this is the principle before we get into marriage and other stuff. In your business, in your team, in your office, Wherever you are working with any group of people, fight for unity. No matter how gifted the group is, no matter how talented you are, where you can't find unity, you will never see progress. In fact, Jesus says, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So, I mean, so if you are Satan yourself and you don't want a particular family to stand, what do you do? You cause them to be divided by themselves. And some of us heard this morning, perhaps that's what you are going through. You have business dreams, career, aspirations. You have master's degrees. You have a lot of experience. But nothing is working. At the root of it is division, fight, disagreement, disharmony. Somewhere that matters. Uh, this great man of God, uh, Kenneth um, Copeland, in the U.S., in their ministry, if they find any staff in their office keeping malice with somebody else, you are gone. But they tell them before they employ you, no matter what somebody does to you, resolve it. That they can't afford one day of disunity. Because blessings. If as scripture says, two are better than one, for they have a better reward for their labor. So if we're all working together in unity, we are going to make progress. So if you are the head of a team, head of a worship team, uh, the pastor, you're heading a particular team, wherever you find yourself, of course, the family is a team, okay? You must fight for its unity. Whatever will lead to disharmony, fight it like you are fighting Satan. And you understand that uh, from James 3, uh, verse 16. Can I help you with this screen? I need this screen to give me feedback, please. John 3.16. John, James 3.16, please. James 3.16. James 3.16. For where envying and what? Strife is for where? I mean, it's not just family. Because uh, some of us might just think, uh, when we say unity is only about my husband. And, no, no. It's any, any, any team. Any group of people, for where envying and strife is, there is what? Confusion and every 
evil work. It looks like the foundation for the manifestation of Satan is strife and envy. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every, every, does that get your attention? Every evil work. So you find that before Satan attacks a family, he comes with the John the Baptist. What is John the Baptist? Envy and strife. If he wants to do something evil, something, something really, really bad, he comes with strife. When that strife comes in as a foundation, then if you don't deal with it, sickness and disease can show up. Even divorce can show up. All kinds of things can show up. But it starts with little fights here and there. So when you see fights, when you see disharmony, you must become a bit um, you know, alert to fight it because it's actually Satan at work. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every work. And this is also to talk to some people because uh, as, a, as a pastor, I relate uh, a lot with people. There are some people, that's, who you, that's how you are. You are prone to always fighting people. I, I want you to be healed this morning. Amen. Amen. I mean, from our primary school days, we've known people like that. When you hear their story, they're always in disharmony with somebody, particularly ladies. It's not a good spirit. No matter your excuse, she said this, she did that. It can stall your future. In fact, what God does is if you are like that, it moves you out. But it's not going to help you because some of some are like that, either by temperament or by upbringing or by default, you know. They're just not workable with people. They always, you see them close to this song for some, uh, with someone for like two years. After two years, you hear that they're falling out. And then she gets close to another group of people. After three years, they fall. And in the space of ten years, she has fallen like five groups. Now, it's not the groups that are the problem. It's she is the problem or he is the problem. Something like that. And they have all kinds of reasons. It's not good for your health. It's not good for your future. If you're not careful, when you get married too, you fall out. Because the same attitude that's affecting your working with other people will show up in marriage. But one is too small to achieve greatness. You need people. And people will always be different from you. I had to learn that as a pastor. People are coming from various backgrounds, various places, various ethnic uh, underpinnings. I need to understand them and accommodate them and tolerate them and beyond that, love them. Not acting, love them for who they are. Because God wants to achieve so much through you, but he knows you cannot do it alone. So it, it, it brings you know, people across your path, but if you cannot walk with them, then nothing happens. I, I, I looked at Genesis 11. I think I'll talk about that in third service. If you look at Genesis 11, scripture says they were of one language, they were together, and they had a vision, a vision to build a tower. They call it Tower of Babel. Unfortunately, that was against God's intention, God's plans. God now said, okay, what do we do? God, what do we do? God said, let's go down and do what? Confuse their language. And I was reading it. The moment they did not understand each other's language anymore, they left the vision. I said, wow, this is it. So the moment, so people have dreams, I have these dreams, I want to work in other nations, I want to be a billionaire, I want to do this. But the moment you cannot work in unity, the vision dies. They left, the, in fact, they, they did not understand one another's language, which in our, in our, in our day we call it misunderstanding. 
They left the vision. They had already gathered material, started to build. They left it. So where a family has, you have a vision, a business vision, the moment your staff, they are fighting each other, you see one lady there as a secretary, fighting everybody, fighting driver, abusing this person, you better get her off. You sit her down and talk to her and explain. If you cannot settle down, you go. You, there's some people like that, or maybe a driver, always fighting everybody. And I tell pastors too, uh, when I go to conferences, sometimes in the church, it's a pastor's wife fighting everybody in the church. Fighting that woman, fighting that family. That church never grows. Some people are like that because even this unity does not work in a vacuum, isn't it? it there's always a vessel. There's always somebody carrying that spirit. Such people, they, are, they behave like rebels. When they are in a team, they are antagonistic. They don't understand people. And if you don't remove that bad apple on time, the entire basket of apple can be destroyed. So you need to educate people about unity. In our church, I keep telling people, you have to work with various kinds of people. If you cannot do it, then go and stay on your own. But don't disturb the progress of this assembly. There are some people who can't just work with other people. They have one reason. And she didn't greet me well. She eyed me like this. And my position, they gave it to him. All those things. And then you have been keeping that for years. And then you come to church. Lord, make me great. Like Abraham. And God is saying, how? How? How do I make you great? The greatness you are asking for, we demand that you work with Orishi Rishi people. And the, the, the little Orishi I brought to you, you have fought them off. I can't make you great. I like, you, you need to be small where you need to work with only one person. Oh, yes. You're asking for greatness. You're asking for progress. Some are even asking for marriage. And the way you are, I can't bring any. All my people I brought to you, you are fighting them. Let them be, and you should be. So you need to grow up and break all those barriers. Glory to God. Okay, so uh, where there is unity, we have progress, we have um, increase. And then you hear in Deuteronomy 32, verse 30, your prayer potential multiplies where there is unity. Your prayer potential, your spiritual output multiplies where there is unity. It says, how should one chase a thousand and two do what? Put ten thousand to flight. Many of us know this verse, you know, by heart. One shall chase a thousand, and two shall chase how many? Ten thousand. Now, when you now begin to see two, okay, that means, oh, marriage ought to enhance people's spiritual potential. Why not get somebody else with you, and then you are in harmony, and then you chase ten thousand? Glory to God. Okay, so, um, we, I, I said, okay, what is strife? Strife means disharmony, disagreements, um, division. So when you see um, strife, you know, where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. So fight for unity, work for agreement anywhere you are. Don't allow Satan a foothold on your property. He's very destructive. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Strife opens the door for him to enter. And in case you're here, you're fighting your wife already, as we're sharing the word, just start allowing this understanding to melt your heart. Many of us might need to do a lot of forgivings today. Not for the person's sake, for your own progress sake. Because where there is envy and there is strife, there is confusion and every evil work. Um, of course, in marriage, when you don't know how to deal with conflict, you don't know how to handle conflict. 
it now begins to graduate into things like divorce, separation. What we have more in Nigeria is separation. People are living together, but they are they're separate. And it's because of this. It started from little things, little fights. And then suddenly, husband and wife don't talk to each other at home anymore. They just greet each other. Is my food ready? Yes. After the food, thank you. Does the food thank you? No, thank you. Goes to sleep. And then you now see the mother camping around the children. Like that's her husband. And then the man begins to watch uh, Leicester City and Hall. Is it Hall? Hall City and Hallmark. You know, and then time and then goes to sleep. And then on the bed, one is facing east. The other is facing west. And for some that have bigger homes, the husband stays in another room, and, and everybody thinks they are married. No, they are separated. And if that continues for a long time, somebody will still leave the house. I got some documents from um, online, uh, which I studied before. I just wanted to refresh my mind on the effects of divorce on, on children. Some, sometimes people don't know. You know, Satan is a very wicked Satan. Little things, little things just. You don't know where it's going to. Now, they discovered that divorce, most of the time, is not the problem that affects children. It is conflict. Because they say, from their research, the things that they say happen to children after divorce, some of them also manifested before divorce. So, before the divorce, the conflicts already at home is the main problem. In fact, it's the conflict that leads to the divorce. So meaning, even if there is no divorce, but there is extended conflict, the children manifest the same thing. In fact, they discovered that some people that divorced, but they still relate a bit okay. The children manifest better. So they streamlined it to that conflict, which is where you can now see that they are validating scriptures. That where there is envy and there is strife, there is confusion and every evil work. I mean, the baseline is, Children don't, it's not good for their future when they see daddy and mommy arguing, fighting. Uh, I, I wrote something, it says, for, for men in particular, for men, boys, it, it shows up with failure in school. They start not doing well in school. Um, crime and disorder, crime. Okay, they start fighting everybody. In fact, it says, it expresses itself in anger and frustration and fight. Some of us when we were growing up, some boy just fighting everybody in class. When they traced it, is something is happening at home. He's expressing the pain. He can't explain it, but it's affecting him. For ladies, it's even worse. Depression. Some ladies, even in their adulthood, they find that they are depressed because of where they grew up from. Depression, headaches, headaches, stomach aches, eating and sleeping disorders. It tampers with their lives. So don't say, hey, we're okay, hey, we, are, we are still together. Are you really together? And of course, it has effect on the man and the woman uh, themselves, which we'll talk about remember, last Sunday of the month. It's just horrible. Sometimes when, when we see, ah, this is where this thing is going to. I mean, in the U.S., they say 50% of first marriages um, ends in divorce. I mean, I was shocked. 50%. Then now there's 67% of second marriages. Meaning, after the person divorced, thinking he's okay, he now remarried after two or three years, that 67% of that still ends up breaking up. Meaning that the thing you don't resolve will continue to follow you. 
know whether God hates divorce. No, there are exceptions where people have to separate. I mean, when violence gets to a level, somebody has to move out of the house. But, you know, that's what we're teaching all of us. And I hope uh, the men are here and the women to listen. So that we won't be praying in church and doing something else that kills the effect of the prayer. Okay, so, um, so what I want to do in the, in the services today is to look at things that affect, that um, encourages um, strife, you know. So when you deal with it, you stay together. And one thing that I think affects the flow of unity, I'm, I'm going to talk about so many things today, but God will help me to handle the time appropriately. Hallelujah. Okay, let's talk about uh, excessive anger. How many of us know that excessive anger divides people? Do we agree? Whether at home or in the office or anywhere, excessive anger, outbursts of anger, things that you say, things that you do when you are angry, the snapping, the, the reactions, separates people, whether in the office or at home, anywhere. Okay, so we're talking about strife, dealing with strife, dealing with um, disharmony. And we're looking at, oh, the things, the vehicles with which Satan uh, perpetrates that. One major one is excessive anger, uncontrolled outburst with harsh and cutting words breaks the flow of intimacy. I've made such mistakes in my home. You just shout and react about something and suddenly you realize that there is a division already. And until you deal with that, there can't be any harmony. The challenge is some of us are too proud to deal with it. You start rationalizing in your mind. Yes, my reaction is correct. Why should she even do it again like that? But you see disharmony. So it's not a question of do you want to remain right or you want unity and progress in your life. You know, without humility, you can't succeed or sustain success. And maybe there are some couples in the house today. The reason why things are not okay between you and your wife it's not that she's bad or he, you know. It's just that some things you've said, need, you need to apologize about it and resolve it and move on. I mean, it's as simple as calling your husband or your wife and say, I'm sorry for the way I reacted. I even think I overreacted. Those words, I, I, please, I, I withdraw those words. Please forgive me. Now, sometimes it might even need much more than that. Some more explanation. But if you understand the value of unity, you go for it. The one that is worse is when you are now shouting and you are the one even wrong. But you are using that we are trying to resolve. <laughs> Glory to God. Proverbs 15 verse 18. Thank you. Proverbs 15 18. Um, okay. Yes, thank you, Lord. Are you seeing this verse? A wrathful man stirred up what? But he that is slow to anger does what? When you are given to excessive anger, all every time you are going to be generating strife every time, fights, reactions. But he that is slow to anger, so I think our admonition in this first service is how to be slow to anger. Can we see that verse in um, Amplified Version? And then after Amplified, uh, let's 
see the message translation. That, uh, I think, breaks it down a bit for them. Okay, it says, um, uh, where there is a lot of anger, you find fights. You know, I used to think it's only... And if you don't heal it on time, you know, when you don't heal a wound on time, how it putrefies and gets worse, and then what was just a cut somewhere begins to affect the entire leg. When untreated, can affect the entire body. So you find that the words... If not treated, or the effect of the words, if not treated, can now bring down the entire marriage. But it started with a little cut, untreated, tetanus infection, and it begins to spread, and the hand is decaying. And you wonder what's happening to my home. Words give life or death. But you see, when we are angry, we say those things. Sometimes in marriage, I've had to counsel couples, and somebody would keep repeating a statement she made. You know, and the other party begins to wonder, what is that, what is that? There's a lot to it. Or a man is saying, she said this, and it's affecting me. Or the woman is saying, he said this, and it's affecting me. And to the other person, what is that? It's a lot. Damn, a lot. You can't be telling somebody, I regret the day I married you, and think it's a small court. The entire marriage is on a stake. I regret if I don't know what's happening. Why did I even carry to this house? Who will who, who you be? Who, who, who are you? I regret that day. Oh, why did I marry? Out of anger. And then later you now settle. Unfortunately, men, when we are settling things, we don't know how to confess our sins. We'll now be parabolating around it. Sorry now, sorry. Uh, you know, you're acting well, making it look like you have resolved it. No, that word is still lingering in her head. Anytime, anytime she wants to move on with the marriage, the thought is, ah, I'm not sure he wants this marriage anymore. Ah, that statement, I regret the day. Ah, that means I should not have married him. So the, there are doubts, there are doubts in her mind which affects her performance. That statement needs to be retreated. You have to unsay it as much as possible and then act it. And scripture says death and life and the power of the tongue. That means words carry life or they kill things. And you need to see what people say when they're angry. Ah, you need to see some people even boast of their ex to their wife. It was between Chiamaka and you. I wish I went for Chiamaka. Nonsense. All this will be happening. She's cool. She's calm. Your body is too sharp. Ah. You have caused problems. Oh. Some ladies also say to their man, he's doing Peter and James. Why didn't I choose Peter? Oh Lord, why, 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 why? You've killed the person. That you're useless. You are nothing. Some mistakenly compare their wife to their mother or to another woman. Some even do it comparing their husband to pastor. <laughs> I will go to church every day together. Ah, what did they do, Seth? Can't you see, Pastor? Did you see the way it's cool, calm? What do you do? It's very calm. <laughs> when the pastor is preaching, it's under the anointing. <laughs> eh? You see the loveliest man you've ever met, isn't it? But that's mostly on the altar. The unction is here now. When the thing settles, I need to be a Christian like you. So somebody, some people see some men of God on TV, the way the person is talking, he says, wow, she's talking, just talking. And they say, there's a divorce. You wonder, yeah? How? How can that kind of person, he says, how can a woman divorce that kind of man? Do you know the kind of man the person is? Because I'm looking at the, the thing you see on TV.
how gentle, praise the Lord, how everything is sweet. You wonder, wow, this, this is the kind of man I want. Are you sure? <laughs> Do you think the woman is that wicked that she's not doing it again? I didn't say anything, please. <laughs> now let's talk about how to deal with anger. Number one, tell your neighbor, don't be a fool. Uh, you didn't say it clearly, oh. Yeah. Ecclesiastes 7, uh, verse 9. Don't be a fool. I mean, I, I'll give my own examples. I don't have any problems. I'm growing. I'm getting better. Many times when we get angry, anger is good. Even God gets angry. I mean, I'm not saying you should not get angry. If you don't get angry, you're not a human being. Okay? So, that's why I put excessive anger. There are things that happen that you need to deal with, you know, but the issue is excessive anger or uncontrolled anger. Okay? Uh, if I says, be angry and sin not, that means, oh, at times things happen that you need to deal with, but be careful that it doesn't lead to sins. That means something else can happen if you don't handle your temper well. Something devilish. So, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 9, look at this. He said, be not hasty in thy spirit to be what? For anger rests where? Because there'll be times something happens, you know, and you're already angry, you don't have the details, isn't it? And you're already angry. How can the food not be ready at this time? What, what, what are you even doing at home since morning? Huh? I left this house 6 a.m. and this is 7 p.m. What are you doing since morning and the food is not ready? And you begin to abuse her. You are just lazy. You are just useless. You are just this one. Unknown to you, your child carried some fever by 5.30. They had to rush him or her to the hospital. And she didn't want to disturb it because of work. That was the kirakita. She was up and down in. That affected the food. You didn't hear that one. You've already abused her parents. Abused her ability to cook. Abused everything. After you are finished. She says, I'm sorry. It was uh, Joshua. He, he, was, he, he fell. And then we saw blood everywhere. I had to run to the hospital. After, you know, looking like a fool. I saw me now in the house. Eh, is that what happened? Eh. Okay, where is John now? Eh. So you, you understand? That's why I said, be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. Meaning, we need patience for things to work out in relationships. Now, it doesn't even mean you will not still be angry, but the anger will be properly channeled. I mean, at worst, oh, you should have called me that that happened now. You should have called me and I should have sent the driver to help you so that you would have, you know. And then, unlike, you didn't hear the details, you're already shouting, fighting. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. For anger rests in the bosom of fools. Men have made such mistakes at home. When something happens, you don't get the details. And then you're already fuming and reacting. And then, sometimes, even two days later, you now get the details. You now know that you have been a fool for like two days. That is just expiring that second day. That, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Anger for nothing, reaction for nothing, if you had sat down to listen. So at times when things are happening, and your wife is saying, they are listening. Listen. I don't want to hear anything again. What do you want to say? Hey. Hear you so that your foolishness can be cast out. <laughs> Wives, I'm not saying she'll be using that to catch your husband, though. When anything is wrong, they are listening. <laughs> they are listening. No. Listen. <laughs> if you know you have done something wrong and I started to listen, you apologize. Uh -huh. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
Okay, James 1, 19. And this will help you even in the office. I mean, there are times in the office, something happens, they get the report to me. I'm already not happy about it. And the moment I get the details and I realize that my reaction was wrong, I apologize straight. You don't wait for tomorrow. Oh, and I will tell them what I thought. Oh, I thought you didn't get there on time. I thought this was what I thought. Okay, but no problem. I'm sorry for that. And then we move on. Don't behave like it didn't happen. Okay? Now, James 1, 19, that's why scripture admonishes that we, it said, wherefore, my beloved brethren, we should be what? Uh, we should be swift. Somebody say swift. Swift to do what? So, listening helps unity. Listening will enhance togetherness. Whether in business or career, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to what? If you are swift to hear, you will be slow to what? Speak and slow to anger. Very powerful. This Bible is very complete. Eternal word of God. You go to psychologists, they tell you if men will listen more, there will be happier homes. If people will listen more, there will be teamwork, there will be productive. It's from here. He said, we are for my beloved brethren. Let every man. So it's all in marriage. Particularly if your temperament is the impatient one. That you always want things to be done fast. Take time and hear. Okay? He said, let every man be swift to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. It will keep us from very bad words. Wrong statements and wrong reactions. So just listen. Even if you're going to still get angry, you will know what to say based on, oh, why did you do that? No, you shouldn't have done it like that. I thought I mentioned that we should go this way. Why did you go that way? That, that is still better than just the, you know, and they say things and fight everybody and fight, you know, and curse the person's mother, curse the person's father, or just, you know. And some ladies are like that. We're healed in Jesus' name. So patience to get details, patience to listen more, patience to respond wisely. Please take note of those three things. Patience to get details, which is the listening, right? Patience to listen more than patience to respond wisely. Your response will not be with wisdom, isn't it? Your response will build rather than destroy. Patience to get details. Patience to listen more. Patience to respond wisely. Unfortunately, um, fortunately, let me use that word. Patience is the fruit of the spirit, as it were. It's something that you only grow in when you are spiritually developing. So, because impatience is of the flesh. So when you find any individual, husband most of the time, that is not improving spiritually, they fall victims to these things. Your flesh will be alive. Your flesh will be excessive. So you find that all those impatience, wrath, anger, and strife will be prevalent. But when you are growing spiritually, uh, you find that you are able to control this flesh. There are times that you are boiling inside, but the Holy Spirit will be telling you, calm down. Calm down. Listen. And then because you are growing in the spirit, you can calm down. And then you find that, okay, the boiling shouldn't be 200 degrees. Maybe 25 degrees only. Or no boiling at all. Praise the Lord. Okay, so don't be a fool. Tell your neighbor again, don't be a fool. Number two, way by which we deal with anger is, um, <laughs> don't make a mountain out of a mole hill. I learned that many years ago. Don't make a what? A mountain out of... A mole hill. It's one reason, uh, I mean, yeah, 
there are things that, are, that go wrong at times. But it's not as bad as you are saying it. I mean, toothpaste. Toothpaste. Because they've not paid you for three months. You tell the entire family, press the toothpaste from, from the bottom, you know, so that it can last for the family. And one of your ch children or your wife in particular forgets. She was so happy that morning after praying, the Holy Ghost came upon her. Happy, happy day, oh, happy day. And she's going to brush her teeth. And then she picks the toothpaste and presses from the middle. And then like Satan will always do, you order your steps to sit at that time. <laughs> Have you noticed that? That's why you now enter the bathroom. And, uh, and you see her pressing it. <laughs> You've captured the scene. And then you that were happy, you are happy that money with how suddenly I don't know what's happening. What is happening in this house? I don't know what's happening in this house. If people cannot obey my simple instruction, then let, let us all suffer. Ah, oh God. People say those things. What is that? A simple instruction. And the one who says, that she has pressed from the middle. So what was happening? Now because the son. Did you do anything? No. She said that did something. She didn't even know. She did something. And then for a whole day, you're not talking to your wife. Because of toothpaste. Even the angel guiding you is angry. <laughs> yeah, okay now. Toothpaste, I will supply your name. <laughs> but you're taking it too far. You took the toothpaste to, you don't disobey me, you don't disobey, you know, all those things. And it's not really like that. It was a mistake. Oh, you can get angry. Baby, I've told you not to be doing this now. Please, let's work together. Now, that statement I've just said now is a function of spirit-controlled man. If you are living in the flesh, you live in drunkenness. Some of you are still given to alcohol abuse. You won't talk like that. Some guy even young me took from the woman and said, you won't brush for, in this house for one week. <laughs> Out of anger, you won't brush in this house. Nonsense. Go and buy your toothpaste. Though. You will use paco. You will use paco. As you're begging you, kneeling down because of toothpaste. <laughs> and you now ask yourself, if somebody's reacting like that on toothpaste, what will now happen if somebody now commits real sin? <sighs> Don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Maybe you should know how to, you know, grade the anger. Is this worth, I mean, real reaction or just a little bit of pep talk? Don't make a mountain. This will help in business. It will help in career. There's some things that, oh, it's a, it's a huge mountain. Let's deal with it. But many at times, there are little things that we can just resolve. And then number three, as we close this first service, understand people. If you want to deal with anger or excessive anger, you need to understand people. Hmm. If not, you'll be running crazy every day. Every day. Understand people. Ignorance is deadly. Uh, one of our couples in church, they're out of, they are out of Nigeria now. <laughs> when they got married, one of the major fights they used to have is the fact that the wife forgets things a lot. I mean, it was so bad, they would be in a taxi together. The keys of the house would be with the wife. They would be just in the car. Just in, just in, just in the car. After this fight, when I get home, taxi driver has gone. Oh, yeah, bring the key of the house. Let's enter. She said, eh? She has even forgotten her bag. In taxi before. And then, while I start, you forgot the key again. Not the, not the first time. So, <laughs> I have to explain to the man that there are some temperaments, that is their gift. 
Most sanguines are very forgetful. So you need to understand people. That's helped me a lot. Understand people. You will, you will, you will cast out devil in yourself. But if you don't understand people, you will judge people. You will condemn people. You feel that you are the superstar. Sanguines. I, I wrote some things about temperament here. Let, let me just run through it. Uh, I think it will help some people. Sanguines, for instance, are sociable people. They are outgoing. They are talkatives. Okay? They are very responsive. They are easygoing. They are lively. They are carefree. So all these temperaments, they have their strengths and their weaknesses. So when you understand someone that this is his strength and this is weakness, you anticipate mistakes. So even when the mistake is done, yes, you want to deal with it, but it will be controlled. That's even a level. The higher level is you can even help them avoid the what? Mistakes. For instance, I told the husband, you remember things like an elephant. She forgets the eh, don't make her to be handling the keys anymore. It's as simple as that. It's not her strength. But she has her own fantastic strength that you, you are very weak in. Extremely weak in. Foolishly weak in. So if you have a sanguine husband, he will be talking. You'll be in the living bedroom like this. He will talk until you sleep. You don't have to move like that. You'll be, uh, they still be talking. <laughs> they still be talking until you sleep. Just let them talk, let them talk. So you can't be telling a sanguine person, shut up. Or don't talk. If you do that, they will find a serpent to talk to. Because you are, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are trying to make them who they are not. You might need to listen more to them. They talk. Sanguines talk. So sanguines, sociable. Sanguines are the colorful. I can pick out sanguines in the service easily. They're always colorful. They don't like any dull thing. They hardly very thin because they eat. They just like, for them, life is fun. Oh, they don't miss praise and worship. They are extroverted people. Okay? But they are very forgetful. They are carefree. Most of the sexual sins are perpetrated by sanguines. They will tell the man, no, I don't want you, and they will sleep with the man. As long as they're talking to the man. A sanguine might not say yes to a man, and yet fall to sin, or to a woman, whatever uh, cases. So, so you know yourself, and you know your strengths, and your weaknesses. Uh, they're extroverted. Cholerics. Cholerics are restless, aggressive, impulsive, changeable. And optimistic, active. I wanted to put wicked there also. <laughs> they're also extroverted, but they say that they are emotionally unstable. In fact, one author put it as neurotic. They can be doing something now. Next thing, we're not doing it again. So you know some colleagues around you <laughs> that are that unpredictable. <laughs> They say sanguines are stable. <laughs> Cholerics are emotionally unstable. They can say they want this thing now. In three minutes, they don't want it again. Because things are going through their minds, analysis, which are not privy to. So they change. So when you understand about your wife or your husband, you don't let things sway you. <laughs> when I saw that neurotic, I had to go and check it. But what is, does this mean? What is... What, melancholy, they are moody, 
anxious, sober. They are pessimistic. See, cholerics are optimistic. It must work out. It will work out. Let's go. Let's move. But melancholies are pessimistic. Are you sure? <laughs> so you find a choleric husband brings an idea to the woman that is a melancholy. Let's do this. He's already optimistic. You know, he's seeing things happen. And then the woman just doesn't show any emotion. In fact, she begins to say no to what he's saying. He now begins to find somebody else to talk to. So the woman needs to understand, oh, this man is optimistic about this thing. I don't have to say no. Okay, let's see how it works out. Now, it might still be no at the end of the day, but don't do it like that. Then the man, too, that is optimistic and the wife is pessimistic by nature, when you are bringing things up, you should know that you might receive some resistance. So if you want to do it on Friday, start talking about it on Monday. So that by Wednesday, she will agree. Not what to do it on Friday afternoon. You don't bring it on Friday morning. And then the next thing is, I don't know why you're not supporting me. She's just been herself. Okay, they are moody, they are anxious, they are sober, they are pessimistic, they are reserved, they are unsociable, they are quiet. They are also emotionally unstable. You know, moods. You find somebody, you see somebody on Monday now, laughing with you. On Tuesday, you call them on phone. What is wrong again? Always, you know, unstable. Moods, you know. Uh, they're introverted. Phlegmatics, they are passive, careful, thoughtful, peaceful, controlled, reliable, even tempered, calm, introverted, stubborn. All those good things you are saying, thoughtful, peaceful, is to stay in their comfort zone. <laughs> Anything that will seem to stretch them out of their comfort zone, phlegmatics are the people that dodge work in the office a lot. They just find a way of, I'm, I'm doing something. Okay? But without them, there can't be peace in this world. Oh, yes. They are passive, careful, thoughtful, peaceful, controlled. So we have a combination of two of these in ourselves. One is a major one. There's a supporting one. Okay? Either 60-40 or 80-20 or 90-10, you know. So, so that helps you to know when somebody is acting. Melancholies, for instance, they think more than they talk. Sanguines, as the thing is coming. No editing, no nothing, boom, straight. So their mouths are very sharp. They just, when melancholy will have something in his mind on Monday, we only say it on Friday. He will be processing it. If you hurt a melancholy, ah. That's why God helps us with this combination. If somebody is 100% melancholy, depression can kill the person one year. So you find that when somebody is a melancholy, there's a supporting temperament, maybe sanguine, that helps to balance it. If not, they won't be okay. If you abuse a melancholy, say you are, you are stupid. They will carry that stupid word. Maybe you just said it casually. But by Friday, their analysis will shock you. You don't say, did I say anything like that? They will expand the stupidity. That first day you said it, they will spell it inside. Stupid. <laughs> S-T-U. Me. Stupid. She doesn't like me. He doesn't respect me. That means I've been stupid in everything. Did they say that? That means I've been stupid in that thing I did. Ah, but they didn't tell me. No, they amplified this in their mind. That's what actually leads to that depression and moods. If you're melancholy here, that state of emotion is not good for relationships. They will always leave you as a loner. They always find talking to you about things, they just leave you. 
So most melancholies experience isolation a lot. And you can't blame people. So you need to grow out of it also. Nobody likes to be around someone that's always moody, scrawling his face. So nobody likes to do that. So they find other people that they can, be, they can flow with. They just leave you alone. And, you, and the more they isolate you, the more the moods. They don't like me. They hate me. Why? Even me too. I'm not, I'm not, even, I'm not, I'm not even okay. It's been like this in primary school. Maybe I have a curse on my life. That's why they end up in, uh, sometimes in suicide. At home, they don't like me. In the office, even in church now, then why am I even leaving? Sit down and say, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, have you watched Tom and Jerry before? When Satan is talking to Tom with hunt. <laughs> it's true. Why are you even leaving? Kill yourself. Kill yourself. When you're not there, they'll be better off. Make their life better by going. <laughs> Suicidal thoughts. You can't work again in the office. You can't do anything well again. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. Okay, so. Um, I try my best to understand people I work with. That, I think, has helped me with most of my team members. You need that in business. You need that in career. Um, I, I, I've said the story before. I had one PA in church that was, had a sanguine part. We were playing together. The work is, you won't do it. I was traveling one day. The suit and everything to preach. We left it in Lagos. And in the car, we were just talking. Oh, glory. <laughs> just driving. We got to Ife. Okay, we got 1 o'clock. 1 p.m., meeting starts by 6. The pastors called me. The pastor are preaching by 6. I said, yes. I said, okay, please bring my <laughs> clothes so, from the car. Let's see. If we have to straighten the suits. And then I didn't see anybody. He went for some time. I said, what's the problem? Suit is in Lagos. Okay? <laughs> Everything is in Lagos. And you're playing with me in the car. But you're sanguine. Oh yeah, we went together in the car to the market in Ife to be checking blazers to preach. That's sanguine for you. They forget dates. They can be talking to you on your wedding anniversary. Eh? I don't remember. So understand people, it will help us to handle. So in case there's some things you are handling, some of even your parents, some things you are fighting about is rooted in this. If your dad is a phlegmatic, he will be very slow to doing things. He'll be slow to do it. He'll just be doing things at his own pace. Stop abusing him that you're this slow man. Don't do that. You understand his weakness. You know better. That's why you're acting not better. Okay? And your spouse in particular. And then finally this morning, the power of mercy. Okay, temperament or no temperament, uh, molehill or no molehill, whatever it is, okay, people make mistakes. Let's show mercy. You need mercy in marriage a lot for you to survive. Mercy. Proverbs um, 11, 17. Husband, show mercy on your wife. Wife, show mercy on your husband. Now, now when we say mercy, let's understand this, please. In, in the place of work, mercy is expressed differently. They will query you. They can even sack you. They can forgive you and still sack you, isn't it? And that they sack you doesn't mean they've not forgiven you. It's an organization. So don't, because sometimes people manipulate each other, in, in, even at work. We are brothers in church. You know, in our office, I've told them, you misbehave. They query you. And they tell you, if they query you a second time, you're on your way. But it doesn't mean there'll be bitterness. So we can be playing in church and we'll just sack you on Friday. 
There are two different things. But I now think that because they sack you, they don't love you. No. But in marriage, there's no sacking, isn't it? You got to forgive and deal with things. Proverbs uh, 11, 17. Proverbs 11, 17. Proverbs 11, 17. Glory to God. The merciful man doeth good to who? To who? But he that is cruel troubleth his own. Now this scripture is loaded. If you look at that second part, it says, He that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. It shows that all those excessive anger, um, bitterness, they lead to sickness and disease. That's physical. They also affect you mentally because he said, He the merciful man doeth good to his own soul. Soul, your mind, your state. Now, but he that is cruel is troubling his own flesh. It doesn't pay you the high blood pressure, the, 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 the scattered mind. All those things will not pay you. So mercy is doing yourself good. Oh, mercy and truth restores. Mercy and what? When I say truth, something is wrong and then... You want to express the truth by sitting down with your son or your daughter or your spouse to talk about it. Mercy is not trying to bury it inside yourself for giving. No, it's still there. Mercy is dealing with it, which most of the times might require talking. When you are a bit settled, you call the person and say, this, this, I don't, I don't really want this. I said this four years ago. When, I, when this happens, this is what happens in my mind. I don't really like it. But you see, that truth heals the person. They can be able to behave better, but mercy is given. Glory to God. Okay, Psalms 103 verse 8. Now, this service has just suddenly empowered you. I'm sure you know that. You're a different person entirely. Whether as a Christian or as a businessman or woman, you're a different person entirely. You're more mature, suddenly. It says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in what? Let's be like our Lord. <laughs> I mean, this, this if say we're serving God, I'm a child of God, you understand? I'm a son of God, I'm a daughter of God, and the Lord that you are claiming, that you are living for, living with, living in you is what? Merciful and gracious, slow to anger and what? Plenteous in mercy. So, like I said, if they sack you at work, it might, when they're forgiving you, they'll still be calling you to ask, What are you doing next? That means there's no bitterness. What, what they, they can even have ways of helping you out. That okay, can you apply to that place? Can you take that step? That's that's love. But I'm not saying because you are plenteous in mercy, somebody is behaving, if not for mercy, eh? You now keep a staff that shouldn't be in as a staff. I'm not, I'm not saying that. So we understand how the, these things are applied. Okay, but especially in home, uh, we need to extend a lot of mercy. People will make mistakes every day. You yourself are making mistakes. If some of you have made mistakes this morning already, mercy and truth. Mercy and truth. Can we rise up on our feet and just pray?